Hi, my name is Molly Schulte Tucker, and I have the privilege of pastoring the good people of Ridgewood Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. On Sunday, August 14th, we kick-started a new series coinciding with the beginning of school called Crash Course that will go along with our Wednesday night book study on Rob Bell's book, What is the Bible? Maybe the Bible has been a mystery to you your entire life. Maybe you don't feel like you know enough to really understand it. Maybe you disconnect the New Testament from the Old Testament or have no idea how Jesus connects to Adam and Eve. Maybe you've never read it. Maybe you've had the Bible used against you because of your gender or your sexuality or your race or your ethnicity. First, as a pastor and someone who really didn't come to love scripture until I was in seminary, I'm sorry if it's ever been used against you or used to express anything else than how much God loves you. In our children's moment during worship on August 14th, we talked about how there are 66 books in the Bible, many chapters within those and many verses within those, but there is one main thing that the Bible teaches us, and it was a song that we've known our entire lives. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Here is Crash Course Sermon Number One. What the Bible is not, what the Bible is, and what I hope the Bible will be for you. I want to take a moment to specially invite you, if you have not decided yet to join us, on Wednesday nights here in Chapel Hall beginning this Wednesday night, we are going to be reading through the book called What is the Bible? It's by Rob Bell, if you are familiar with that author. Uh, I know we have some Rob Bell fans uh, here and probably watching on live stream. I, yes, I see you, Haley. Um, a great, great author um, who really helps us understand the love of God. This one by way of scripture. Um, very approachable. I hope you will join us. We'll be together five weeks total. We'll actually be taking two weeks and then a break and then finishing up for three weeks please plan to be here Wednesday nights, 6.30, Chapel Hall. I promise it will not be boring. Um, With that, on Sundays, we are approaching this crash course on Scripture. Very few of us get the privilege, and I really mean it as a privilege, to take time in seminary to understand and be taught about Scripture from scholars on Scripture. Um, Very, very few. So if you have ever said, I have no idea why we ever read Genesis, uh, or if you have, have no idea who Melchizedek is, that's okay. What I would like to do in worship over the next five or six weeks and on Wednesday nights together is make scripture great again. (laughs) Make scripture approachable, remind you or tell you for the first time that scripture is not a weapon, but a love story. I feel like to do that I've got to give us some ground rules. 
So that's what I'm planning to do today. First, the first thing I want to talk about uh, is our translations of Scripture. You may see sometimes when we read Scripture and worship that after the text, we put some letters. And you may think, what in the world does that mean? What in the KJVLMNOP are you talking about? We have several different translations of Scripture. And, and to prove it, I've already kind of gone through these with the kiddos earlier. But I first began reading the NIV, those are three letters, the New International Version of Scripture. That was my student Bible growing up. So anytime I was in Sunday school or youth group, we used the NIV translation. When I graduated from college... Each graduate at Georgetown College was given a good news, a, a good news translation of the Bible. Um, so this is, that may be another one you've heard of. I will say as a disclaimer, I don't have a KJV up here. So if you live and swear by the King James Version, I'm sorry. I, I, it's a great translation, but uh, that may be one you were familiar with growing up. After I graduated from college, I went to seminary, and I picked up, or I was made to purchase, I think is the, the better way, the HarperCollins Study Bible. And if you look in, these, in this Bible, I know you probably can't see it from where you're sitting, but about half the page is actually scripture. The bottom is footnotes that talks about how this word could be translated, or what this might be referencing, or ways to think about this, or nuances in scripture. So, a lot of times, study Bibles, especially in academia, um, will give you the questions that Scripture leaves us with. Also, and I know one person in the room can read this, and it's not me. This is the New Testament in Greek. At one time, I could do some damage on this. Not now. I think Bill Green, anyone else can read Greek? Bill. Oh, Stu a little bit. We can, we can sound it out at least. <laughs> Maybe that's Luo, Lua, something like that. All right. The, the Bible that I, I joke with, um, this is my purse Bible, and um, I don't think there is a male pastor that can claim they have a purse Bible. Uh, and when I was um, at a preaching conference in the before times, it was before COVID, I was the only female in the room. It was other, other CBF pastors around Kentucky that came, and Bob Fox read scripture for me before I preached, and I handed him my purse Bible, and I said, I'm sorry it's so little, it's my purse Bible, and he said, I don't think there's another preacher in this room that would give me their purse Bible to read from. So this is my purse Bible. Um, you'll see, actually, I don't think it's under here right now. I usually keep um, a preaching Bible in here. It's somewhere tucked away in this, in this room. Um, but I typically stick with the NRSV translation. That is the new revised standard version. There is also a revised standard version, but the new revised standard version. And now there is an NRSV E, NRSV, E, NRSV with edits? I'm, I'm thinking the E, I'm not sure what the E means, to be honest, but it's a newer translation. If you're wondering how we can keep having new translations, it's kind of a twofold approach. One is because 
we are still unearthing and translating original manuscripts. Um, so, so we are still finding those in historical documents. So um, sometimes uh, scholars can lean on those for new translations. But also what we're discovering is that the Greek language, as Bill said earlier, is much bigger than we, than we thought, right? Um, as we translate especially with the NRSV translation that came from the NIV. Those were kind of the two big ones. The NRSV is a bit more inclusive in its wording. So you might see NIV say, brothers, blah, blah, blah. Um, whereas the NRSV says, brothers and sisters, or even siblings. So um, we at Ridgewood try to stick to those inclusive, uh, the inclusive wording, the NRSV. So if you're wondering, well, the, Bible, the back of this uh, pew has an NIV Bible in it. You are correct. And at one point in our Christian history, that was the best translation we had. But as we progress forward, we involve other translations. Now, if you were like me when you went into church when you were young, you always took your Bible under your arm. We don't see that too much anymore because now we have apps. And if no one has told you, it is okay to use an app to access scripture and not take around your 20-pound KJV or whatever it is that, that you have carried around for years. It's okay. Now, if you want to carry around a hard copy of scripture, you can do that too. But just because these words are on an app does not mean they are any less applicable. Several weeks ago, we also talked about this, this phrase called sola scriptura, which is um, basically we just adhere only to scripture. As Baptists, we are not a creedal people, a creedal people, meaning when, when we are in here, we don't say a creed that says, I believe this, 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 and this. We do have common beliefs because we are a church seeking to follow Jesus Christ. But just because we do adhere to sola scriptura, it does not negate the need for study and research and teaching, and even changing our minds about what Scripture might mean to us. So I think what I, what I would like to do in these next few moments, now that we've covered some of the basics, I would like to first give you three things the Bible is not. Then I will give you three things the Bible is, <laughs> and then... I'll give you three things I hope for you in these weeks ahead. The first thing the Bible is not is a user's manual. And you may have even used uh, that phrase when you, were, when you were little to kind of understand what it might be. And of course, we teach children differently than we teach adults just because of things we can conceptualize. But if I were to go out to my car right now and pull the owner's manual, the user's manual, I could turn to a table of contents that would direct me to how I'm supposed to change the oil. Does it say that in the user's manual? I'm not really sure. It tells me how to change the radio or, you know, change the radio settings. And in the back, there's a glossary of terms, most likely, right? Something like that, or an index. 
The Bible isn't quite like that. As we said earlier, the Bible is 66 books. As you go through them, they're kind of clumped into similar writings. So we have some poetry, some wisdom writing, some prophecy, the gospels, what we call the epistles, the letters that Paul writes and other writers um, give to the church. But if you were to go to the very last part of the Bible, you wouldn't find a glossary. You would find revelation. And if you use that as a glossary or an index— we will pray for you. There's crazy things in Revelation. There's beasts and fire and, and trumpets, and it has to be understood and read in its context. So read the Bible as it's supposed to be read, not necessarily as a user's manual. Secondly, the Bible is not a magic eight ball. I, I wonder if you've had the same experience as me sometimes where you have your Bible and maybe you've come upon um, a moment in life where you need some guidance or some assurance and you just say this. And, and maybe at some point that has worked for you. Or maybe you've opened up your Bible randomly um, and, and you have had a verse that sticks out to you or that you needed in that moment. I don't doubt that that can happen, but the Bible is not a magic eight ball. So please don't treat it as magic. Lastly, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone. Yes, we know all the Bible songs. But you may have also heard the acronym, B-I-B-L-E. Anyone remember that? The basic instructions before leaving earth. Well, I hate to disappoint you, but the Bible is not basic. And it tells us a lot more about what to do while we're on earth than what we should expect after we're gone. So if you're only looking to the Bible to give you assurance for what comes next, you're probably going to be disappointed. See, as Rob Bell will tell you, the Bible is actually not a Christian book. Which is interesting because even some of the Bibles that I have have a cross on the front or have a depiction of Jesus on the front, but the Bible in itself is not a Christian book. So maybe we should talk about things the Bible is. The Bible is a story. It begins with a God who loves into existence, who brings order out of chaos in order to show that that God loves so deeply. The Bible is an overarching story, but it's also a story of stories. Some stories are told once, some stories are told multiple times. But really, it's this overarching story of repetitive themes of the love 
of God. There's two ways to approach scripture. It's that God loves you and loved you into existence or that we are a decrepit people meant to be fixed. I believe in the first one. Three things the Bible is. Number two, it is for community. The Bible can be read in isolation. Maybe you have a quiet time uh, in your home that you read the Bible. Maybe you have a devotion time each morning or each evening and you need alone time with Scripture. But the Bible is not meant to solely be understood in isolation. It is meant to be brought into community. In fact, something that Rob Bell will tell us about as we read um, through this book, What is the Bible?, is that when Jesus was alive, he was part of the temple. And what they would do in the temple is someone would come into the middle of the room, pull out the scrolls, and read to the people gathered. And they would question it. They would ask questions. Well, what does that mean? Or what do you mean by that? The Bible was in conversation. That's how it was understood. We don't do that much anymore, but that's how it's supposed to happen in community. Lastly, the Bible is, I believe, living. It is not a document that was completed years ago and put on a shelf and forgotten. It is one that the Holy Spirit continues to bring to life before us. It is why we teach and preach and discuss and disagree and doubt. The Bible is a living document. Three things that I hope the Bible is for you. Lastly, This one's hard (laughs) because of how we've seen scripture weaponized in the past. I hope the Bible is comforting for you. But chances are it's been used to clobber someone you love. If you identify as a woman, you've been told to sit down. It's been used to justify slavery, racism. And even further, it's been used with the idea of purity to lift up whiteness. It's been used for a lot of people to say, God is working against you. I don't believe that. I believe that scripture tells us a love story. 
of a God who created and continues to create because that God loves you so deeply. I want you to know that God is for you. I hope the Bible tells you God is for you. Second, I hope the Bible is renewing for you. Whether you know it or not, you don't walk into a trivial pursuit match every Sunday. I don't care how much or how little of the Bible you have memorized. Some of us still have the scars of Bible drills from generations ago. (laughs) As we talked about earlier, there are 66 books in the Bible. All of those have verses. Almost every single one has chapters. Can you imagine memorizing all of those? (laughs) So here's what I want you to remember. There may be a story you completely forget about for 5, 10, 20 30, 40, 50 years. But let's say you happen to open to it in a, in a sermon or a Bible study or by yourself. My prayer is that you continue to see how God's love is working in that story, that it might remind you and refresh you that God's love goes before us. It's okay to not remember. We have a big book. It's not trivia. But lastly, I I hope the Bible is for you a mystery. See, there are thousands of scholars. There are millions of books. There are centuries of writing. There are libraries of research. There are generations of Sunday school. There are thousands of VBS curriculums. There are countless languages, and we still don't know all of what Scripture contains for us. So I would say I hope the Bible is a mystery, but even more so, I hope it's humbling to us that it's okay to not know See, if you approach Scripture with an all-knowing, all-confirming, fact-checking, no doubt, black and white, wrong and right, you will be disappointed. I believe that Scripture points us to God. But I don't believe that Scripture is God. It brings God's people together around shared stories from the ancient East and our experience of God last Tuesday together. In the weeks ahead, as we continue to ask, what is the Bible? I hope it will comfort, renew, and keep you guessing. Amen.